Salutations, friends, and welcome to another episode of Nerddom and Knowledge. First in your podcast list. Last picked in Dodgeball. I am Jerry. And I am James. And we are Nerddom and Knowledge. That is N-E-R-D-O-M-A-N-D-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E. Fifteen. One. Five. Now, if you notice, we didn't say at gmail.com. No, we did not. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. You're damn right we will. But, Jerry, we're doing it today. We are. We're going there. Star Trek, Star Wars. Pros and cons. Now, we took the verses out because we don't want you all getting the wrong idea. We are not going to say which one's better than the other. We, we know which one's better. We're just not going to say it out loud. Well, we, we will agree to disagree on that, Jerry. Yes, we will. But. but. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, right? Uh, great minds. Great minds, indeed. No, so what we're going to do today is we have decided to go over some of our favorite aspects of Star Wars and Star Trek and some of the things that we don't like about Star Wars and Star Trek. And, of course, we're going to pepper in some fun facts for you guys as we go along. Indeed we are, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to let you fans make up your minds which one's better. Yes. To and, yourselves. Yeah, we're not and, trying to start a riot no. or a brawl. And you can feel free to be wrong and pick the wrong one. That's fine, because we know which one's better, but we're not going to get into that. And, let alone a tussle. We don't want a tussle over no, this either. No scraps. No hullabaloos. No Donnie Brooks. Definitely not any Donnie Brooks. I think I knew a guy named Donnie Brooks one time. <laughs> would not surprise me, It Jerry. would not surprise me either. But first, yes. Jerry, we need to thank our sponsors. We do. So first, we'd like to thank our show's sponsor, Will Clark, over at IT Services and Networking, LLC. They provide hardware software support for small and mid-sized businesses. If you need a fresh install or just some upgrades to your existing network, IT Services and Networking has got you covered. You can find them on the web at www.itservicesandnetworking.com, or you can reach them by phone at 910-461-7145. You will not find a better company to handle your IT needs. And thank you again to IT Services and Networking. Will Clark, thank you. We appreciate you supporting yes, our show. you the man, bro. And do you know who else we want to thank for supporting our show, Jerry? Could that be CBD Essentials? That would be correct, sir. See, this is why we're nerds. We know things. Yeah, we know stuff. And things and stuff. And we would like to send a very special thank you to CBD Essentials. For offering our listeners a special discount right now, Jerry. Yeah, I know. It's like crazy, right? It is. It's Tell insane. me more. If you go to CBDessentialsUSA.com, you place an order. Mm-hmm. First of all, they're going to ship it right to your door. You're damn right they will. You don't have to go out. You don't have to be around people if you don't want to be around people. Yeah, either either it, because it, of COVID or you're agoraphobic. It, exactly. It'll come in a little tiny box. What's in the box? You don't know. Well, technically, you do know because you ordered it. But here's the best part. Once you are done with your order and you are ready to check out, it's going to ask you for a promo code. All you have to do is enter promo code NAK15. That stands for Nerdum and Knowledge. In case you were wondering. And you are going to get a whopping 15% off of your order. 1-5%. Uh... Folks, I don't know how much better it can be. You get to order your CBD products that uh -huh. you're probably using anyways, or if you don't use CBD products, go check out CBD Essentials USA. See what they have to offer. Yes, they're Jerry, fantastic. I just found out something. What'd you find out, James? They offer CBD dog treats. If you have dogs that have joint pain, they have CBD treats for dogs. Really? They do. 
I used to have a dog with hip issues. That would have been fantastic to have back then. But the, the important thing is they do have it now for all of you. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, if you have another dog that winds up with hip issues, you know what to do. I know what to do. I go to CBD Essentials USA, use promo code NAK15 to get 50% off my order. Exactly. I said that fast like the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> yes, indeed. And of course, a final very special thank you to Anchor.fm. Yes, loud. The sponsor and host of our podcast. Indeed, indeed. If you are interested in starting a podcast, or if you just want to listen to a great podcast, go to... Like Nerdum and Knowledge. Exactly. Couldn't think of a better example. Me neither. Well, I, I could think of a few. No, you couldn't. Okay, maybe don't not. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> You're a rose among weeds, James. Well, don't well, you ever forget it. Well, don't forget about Smodcast. Smod, okay, Smodcast. Pretty okay, good. well, thank right. you. Fair enough. Thank, right. Okay. But... Anchor.fm, great place to listen to great podcasts like ours. Absolutely. But if you are interested in starting a podcast, how much is it going to cost them, Jerry? Not a damn dime. Not one penny, folks. For free, you can upload your podcast to Anchor.fm. Mm-hmm. They're going to distribute it to multiple podcast platforms. Google Podcasts. Spotify. Apple Podcasts. Uh, what's that other one that I, can't, I keep forgetting? Spotify? No, no, not Spotify. The other one. iTunes? Oh. Yeah, iTunes, Overcast. Um, there's Pocket Cast. There's Google Cast. Yes, it does them all. And, folks, you don't need fancy equipment. Me and nope. Jerry have fancy equipment. We do. It's super fancy. But if you have just a cell phone, you can record your podcast, mm-hmm. upload it to Anchor.fm. They will distribute it for you for no charge at all. And you know what? When you record that podcast, send us a link. We'll listen to it. We'll give it a listen. We might even give your podcast a shout out. Yeah, it'll be like Podcast Inception. A podcast within a podcast within a podcast. Dream inside a dream inside a dream inside a dream. Mind blown. Damn it, Jerry, we got to quit doing that. I know, right? It's getting creepy. (laughs) I can't Uh, let you do that, Dave. But folks, again, thank you to our sponsors and Jerry. Yes. We got some friends of the podcast we we need to shout out. As always, we want to give some shout outs to our friends of the show. First off, our good friends over at JoyConGamers.com. You can find them on Facebook under Joy-Con Gamers and on Twitter at Joy-Con Gamers. That's Joy-Con Gamers, news for gamers, a by gamers. And of course, we can't forget our friends over at Kalis Boutique on Facebook, where you can order clothing and accessories for infants and toddlers. You can find them on Facebook at Kalis Boutique, where the selection is unique. That rhymes. It sure does. And of course, Jerry, yes. where would we be without our, as you have so gracefully titled her, social media director? Social media director, Brittany Clark. You know where we'd be? Where would we be, Jerry? We'd be where we are right now, but we wouldn't have any social media presence. Uh, no, we wouldn't. Not, not much of one. No. Like me and Jerry, like between us, we might get like one, maybe two posts every two, three weeks. Yeah. It's, um, it's challenging to you know, handle multiple I understand. I don't honestly don't understand how a lot of people do it. Like multiple, it I I can't do it. Yeah, uh, multiple social media. I yeah, I'm old. I'm looking at my phone, going, what What's up with the TikTok? Yes, what's going on with the Facebooks? Uh, yeah, we're we're old. We're and old. The for, oh, excuse me, older, not old. Older, old ish. We'll go old-ish. with that. Ish. Well, yep, that'll work. But yes, big thank you to Miss Brittany Clark. Yes, thank you. We wouldn't be as far as we are without you. Yes, we do appreciate you. And drum roll, please. Sorry. Sounds like I, machine gun fire. Sorry. Get down. No, I'm kidding. 
So, um, as you may have heard James mention earlier, we did not mention nerddomandknowledge at gmail.com, although he did spell it fantastically for the 15th time, as I previously addressed. No, we did not mention that because we have a website. We have a website. Yes. So, you can go on your web browser right now, type in nerddomandknowledge.com. You will go directly to our Facebook, uh, not our Facebook page, you'll go directly to our website where you can find links to all of our social media platforms. And you can now reach us by our brand new email, which is NAK, that's just the letters, NAK, at nerddomandknowledge.com. What? Yes. Moving on up, moving on up. Now, for those of you who are saddened, by the lack of nerddomandknowledge at gmail.com. We do still have that address. Yes, we do. And, and James will still be spelling the email because we still have nerddomandknowledge in it, so it's going to work out just fine. That's right. It is N-E-R-D-O-M-A-N-D-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E at gmail.com. You're damn right it is. 16 times. 16 Rick times. Flair was a 16-time world champion. <laughs> James Allen is now a 16-time world spelling bee champion. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but folks, yeah, just moving on up. Got some new stuff going on. Yes, new, new things. Th- new things happening. Bigger things. Better things. Maybe. We shall see. We shall see. But but speaking of other social media, you can always find us on Facebook at Nerdum and Knowledge Podcast and on Twitter at Nerdum K. You can also follow us on Instagram. Guess what, folks? We put a post up. We There's did. stuff on our Instagram page. It's amazing. Uh, our week two winner, we she was graceful enough to record a v- graceful, graceful, graceful. It's almost like you are trying to impersonate Sean Connery. Yes, it's very dry graceful. Martini, shaken, not stirred. Yes, it's very graceful. My Connery is garbage. Mine's not bad, but it used to be better. Yeah, it, it did. Trust me, folks, it did. But no, uh, Melody Garcia, our week two winner, was yes. graceful enough. And graceful enough. And gracious enough, even, to do a video on TikTok where she showed herself opening up her Week 2 prize, Jerry. Yes, which was a $50 GameStop gift card. And that is now up on our Instagram page because we want you to understand one thing if you understand nothing else about our giveaways. We actually give stuff away. Yeah, it's not fake. And I also uh, went and posted the image that we promised you from our Week 1 winner. Uh, which was Kevin Craven, who purchased uh, two practically brand new Earth Dawn books, which just happens to be uh, my buddy James's favorite role playing game. It is. It so is. Uh, yeah, he and he wanted to uh, surprise James with that information. So that picture's up there now as well. You can find that there. It is. But in addition to all those other things, if you uh, would like to support us in a different way, James, why don't you tell them all about it, folks? We have a Patreon account. And if you go to our Patreon account, first of all, we do have one video up and more coming. Yes, we will be recording more videos. And we would like to thank those of you who have already supported us on Patreon. And if you wish to support us on Patreon, if you make a donation of $5 or more, Mm -hmm. we will shout you out on our podcast. We damn sure will. And as we build up our website, we will have a Friends of the Podcast page yes we will and if you make a donation of five dollars or more first of all your name's going up there forever it will never take it down not unless they make us and they'll have to pry it from my cold dead hands well is that a little too much 
that that's a little heavy handed. That, that might be that might be a bit too much. I mean, maybe if like they asked us really really nicely, we might consider it. But even then, we're going to give them some pushback. Yeah, not going to be easily swayed, folks. Not no, going to be easily not swayed us, unless you have candy. But <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but folks, go check out our Patreon. Yes. Go check out our YouTube. Uh huh. We have a video up where we talk about the nerd nest. Indeed, we do. And speaking about friends of the podcast, last week we said was going to be the last week we were going to announce a lot of people from TikTok who yes. have been supporting us. And there are a lot of you. And we do appreciate and we it. We are grateful to all of you. But yes. James made a mistake. He did. James made a mistake. James does not make mistakes. James did this time. I don't believe it. I left a few names off the list. How dare you, sir? I know, I know, but I'm going to make it right right now, Jerry. You're damn right you are. I got a gun to his head. No, I don't actually. <laughs> but well, no, we're going to well, we're going to well, fix this. He's got the finger gun pointed at me. Yeah, I do. Bang bang. <laughs> Why but, don't we bring finger guns back? I know it's a complete tangent, but like right now, you know nobody can shake hands. Uh nobody does fist bumps anymore. Like everybody's bump finger bangs. It's the answer. You know what I mean? It just, will work. Just do the Two finger bangs and yeah. the uh, you know wink and click you know yeah like, there you go there you go yeah that used to be a thing it did then it got super creepy but I feel like we could bring it back I think I think now's a good time for it but we digress we digress but to make up for last week some of our friends over at TikTok who are helping support us Terry Weeds that is T E R I W E E D Z and Thank you, that Terry. is how you shirt that is how you Church. Church. Search. That's how you search for her name. <laughs> this is going to be a Sean Connery podcast. I have the feeling. I don't know what's wrong with me today, folks. <laughs> That's how you search for her name. Okay. And then next is Auntie underscore Tavi. That is A U N T I E underscore T A V I. Yes. Thank you, Auntie. Purple underscore Fox 86. Purple Fox. Foxy. Foxy lady. No, I'm stop now. Onyx Raven Queen. Ooh, I like that. Well, yeah, you don't 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 get too attached to it because our next one is her boyfriend, Alpha Dom fifty four. I'm sorry, Alpha. Yeah, we're very we're very sorry, Alpha. Please yeah. don't hurt me. Don't 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 hurt us. Don't you know, don't hit me. I'm brittle. You know. Finally. I'm not, I just bruise easily. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, dark underscore kindred underscore wolf. Ooh, I like that. That's I got thought a lot you of might. dark ages, white wolf, and kindred the embrace. Yes, I like that a lot. I thought you might, Jerry. That's a good one. That is a good one. It's no Raven Claw Your Eyes Out, but it's a good one. No. Raven Claws your Raven Claw Your Eyes Out. Let me tell you something. You are forever a legend in our books. That that name is just freaking fantastic. <laughs> But folks, like, you should copyright that, like, right now. I know J.K. Rowling would probably sue the shit out of you, but it'd be totally worth it. <laughs> but, uh, actually, the funny thing is, one of the two of those names were not forgotten, Jerry. Actually, really? three of them were not forgotten. Three of them were winners from our quiz last night. They were? They were. Thank you for playing our quiz. We appreciate that very yes. much. And we will be doing one of those every week. Yes. For a shout-out on the podcast. And we forgot to do something last week, James. What did we forget to do? We forgot to mention the extra gift we put in the nerd nest. Okay, that that's on me, folks. I was supposed to post that. No, that was actually on me. I was supposed to post that. But when we do the nerd nest update, we're going to tell you what it is. 
Yep, there you go, folks. So we will be announcing how many items today, Jerry? Two. Two items. Yes. Of course, one was from last week, but that's, you know, we forgot. We're still going to count it as two. We're still going to count fine. it as two. All right, but uh, Purple Fox 86 Auntie underscore Tavi, and Dark underscore Kindred underscore Wolf were our winners. Congratulations, guys. Night. Fantastic job. Yep. I hate that I couldn't be there, but I heard it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And purple underscore Fox 86. I just want to give you an extra special shout out for one simple reason. You said, I'm not going to win the quiz. I don't know a lot of quiz stuff. Well, guess what? You're here. Yeah. Never doubt yourself. Keep on keeping on. And folks, it's time. What time is it, Jerry? Right now, it's time for some Star Wars fun facts. Indeed, indeed it is. Now, I know usually when we do these, I'm the fun facts guy, and I read them off, and James just kind of responds to them and everything. Today, we flip the script. James is going to read the fun facts, and I'm going to be the one giving the interesting commentary. Okay, I'm going to start off with my favorite one of these fun facts I discovered. How many of you are fans of the golden bikini from Return of the Jedi that Carrie Fisher wore? I, uh... I may have seen it once or twice. I may have seen it a few times. Not going to lie. But why are, you, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Anyways. Okay. Anyways. Uh, but Carrie Fisher refused to use modesty tape during the shooting of the scenes from Return of the Jedi in Jabba's Palace. Due to this, there had to be multiple retakes of scenes due to wardrobe malfunctions. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with what modesty tape is or does, um, it basically keeps all your naughty bits in place when you're doing other things. You don't want your naughty bits out. Yeah. For instance, if you're wearing a tight golden bra and you shift your waist a little bit, it keeps your nip from slipping. Yes. And we all know how that goes. We're talking to you, Janet Jackson. Now, did you have to call her out? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. It's not like she's going to hear this. Oh, that's true. Good unless point. she's listening. And if she is, then hi, Janet. <laughs> okay. Uh, Star Wars held its first convention, or a Star Wars convention was first held in honor of Star Wars back in 1987. 1987. I was eight years old. Let's see, 1987, I was 11 years old. Wow, you're older than me. Yes, I am, Jerry. Thank you for reminding like, me. Like, way older than no, I'm kidding. Okay, like would you like to give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it? Sure. Do you have any salt? Uh, no. That's better rubbing salt in an open wound. No, I'm kidding. Ah. Uh, all right. Little known fact. If you remember episode seven. The Force Awakens. The scene where Ray is on the uh, is confined to the bed type. Uh, yes, the uh, like restraining bed thing they had her locked into. Yeah, and there was a stormtrooper that she first used her Jedi mind trick on. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: that was none other than 007 himself, Daniel Craig. Yes, James Bond was a stormtrooper. Now, funny thing about that is. Craig actually denied it in an interview in July of 2015. Mm-hmm. But 
Unfortunately, somebody he is very close with, Simon Pegg, let it slip in a later interview. Yes, and another fun fact is that Simon Pegg played Scotty in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Did you see what we did there, folks? Yeah, small world. Isn't it, though? It really is. Next, Jediism. Now, a lot of people claim that Jediism is a recognized religion. Some claim it's not a recognized religion. We're going to put that to rest today, Jerry. You're damn right we are, because you know what? It is not a recognized religion. It isn't. Sorry, folks. However. There's more? Fun fact, folks. In the UK, that's Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England. Yes, it is. Back in the early 2000s, there was actually a push, a petition was submitted to have Jediism recognized as an official religion. Mm-hmm. There were people who were actually filling out their census forms, who were actually using under the religion section, circling other and writing in Jediism. And guess what, folks? Because of that, the UK's Census Bureau decided to do something. They decided to create a census code for the Jedi religion. That's insane. So when you fill out your census form in the UK, guess what? Jedi is an option. Yes, you can put down that you recognize yourself as a Jedi. Of course, the reason the UK did this was because it got more people to fill out the census. And at this point, anything you can do to get somebody to fill out the census, give it a shot. Yeah, may as well. Yeah, go ahead and go for it. But folks... I saved what I think is the best one for last. One of the most iconic sounds in the Star Wars universe. What would you think would, would be, Jerry? Um, R2-D2's beep 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 boo How about the lightsaber sound? That is much more iconic, iconic than what I said, yes. Okay. Well, folks, you're not going to believe how they discovered that sound. They built a lightsaber. No. 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 They ben- found a lightsaber. No. You want to keep guessing? I, I, I give up. What is it? Okay. Uh, ben Burt, who, if you're not familiar with that name, actually was the sound designer for episode four, A New Hope. Excellent. He was actually moving some equipment around in their recording studio. <coughs> and what happened is he was moving a live mic behind a television. And he found a lightsaber. No. Damn it. As he moved the microphone by the back of the television, it created a weird hum sound. And turned into a lightsaber. No. Damn it. But he kept moving. He moved the microphone back and forth a couple of times, and it actually made... So he coupled that with the sound of a projector motor, and thus was born the sound of the lightsaber. So just so we're clear, are you telling me lightsabers aren't real? No, they're not. Now, hold on. There are simulated lightsabers that you see on YouTube all the time where people are doing the lightsaber duels. Yeah, but like, Those are cool. Yeah, but so they're not real? No. Oh, man. I know. I know how much you had your heart set on one, but I'm sorry. Yeah, it is what it is. And so now, the time has come. Star Wars pros and cons. I'm ready, Jerry. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, I'll tell you what. Why don't we bounce a few of these back and forth? Sure, go for it. What's your first Star Wars Pro? My first Star Wars Pro is the actually the religious aspect, the Jedi religion and the uh, whole 
light side versus dark side debate. That's a good one. Uh, You know, kind of the yin and yang, you know, you can't have one without the other. When one becomes more powerful, the other one rises up to create balance. Brings balance to the force. I I just like that concept. It's a good concept. And the one thing I think I like the most about it is that um, in a lot of movies, uh, especially these days, not so much back in the time when these were made, but in in the movies these days, like it's kind of hard to identify who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Like, the plot twist is kind of a big deal these days. And so I like the fact that if you, when you're watching these movies, like, you know who the bad guy is. You know who the good guy is. You're immediately able to take a side and choose your stand. And I like that. Yeah, so uh, the Jedi religion and their, um, their ideology is just, you know, it's really interesting and really fascinating to me. And then the Sith is just, like, polar opposite. So, you know, to me, it's just, it, it just fascinates me, Jerry. I don't know a better way of putting it. It just fascinates me. It, it, it's absolutely fascinating. You are 100% correct, sir. All right. Well, that was my first fun fact, Jerry. So, my first pro, uh, as or, far or as... pro, rather. Yeah, sorry. as pro. So, my first pro, as far as Star Wars, uh, Star Trek goes, uh, for Star Wars, is the special effects. Um, I know now, back in the day... Indeed, you, sir. Yeah, you watch them now, and you're like, oh, my God. But you have to understand something. Like, back in the day when Star Wars Episode Four was released, like, that was cutting-edge special effects. And keep in mind, folks, this was 1977. Yes, it was. And those effects that were made for that movie gave birth to the powerhouse that we know as Industrial Light and Magic. Which has just done stellar work in in, in uh, special effects for decades, and so I mean, even if you watch the uh, the the newer movies now, like you can just see the progression about how the the special effects technology has gotten better and better and better. Things that you don't even know are CGI when you're watching the movie, and you're like, "Oh, that's really cool! How they do that." And you assume it's CGI, but then you turn out it's actually a practical effect. Like things like that are just it, the the special effects in Star Wars, hands down, top notch. Could not agree more, sir. Could not agree more. Now, my next pro, and, and I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I might get a little bit. It's okay. I got your back, buddy. But I actually like the kind of mafia aspect of it, and I'm ta- I'm referring to the Hut family. Oh, okay. I got it you. It is yeah. very mafioso. And, yeah. you know, bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just really love that whole aspect. I want him dead. I want his whole family dead. And, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, when episode four is not that far into being watched, mm-hmm. you'll see an exchange between Han Solo and a bounty hunter named Greedo. Yep. And it's not important who shot first. Han shot first. Of course, which has launched a major meme that is still going today. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I just, I love the fact that something so very realistic that we have actually had in the real world is actually a part of that universe. Yeah, it's neat. It's, it's like, um, you think about, you know, aspects of, because uh, obviously the Star Wars movies apparently took place in a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. Like, they're supposed to have taken place before we existed, basically. And so it's nice to see that they were able to incorporate present-day aspects into what is supposed to be 
a futuristic yet somehow in the past, uh, you know, situation and setting. It's a weird timey-wimey kind of thing. It really is, which I'm actually going to address in one of my pros because I uh, I learned a fun fact while I was doing some research for this stuff. Uh-oh, folks, it's coming. It's yeah, coming. It You're going to love it. A teaser. So uh, my second pro about the Star Wars movie, and, and I think, well, just the Star Wars franchise in general, and I think we can all agree on this, is that the quotes, man, come on, you know, use the force. No, I am your father. I love you. Who could forget, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Like, I love you. I know. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, let the Wookiee win. Like, there's just so many, so many quotes that come out of the Star Wars franchise. There's never been a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Like, it's just fantastic. Star Wars was a meme factory before it knew it was going to be a meme yeah, factory. Yeah, before even memes existed, they were like, yeah, we got this covered. Don't you even worry about it. We're going to give you plenty of ammo for years to come. Yeah, someday this dialogue will be quoted on tiny pictures and posted on Facebook. You mark my words. Wait, what's Facebook? Shh. Shh. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. A C-O-N-spiracy, I tell uh, you. Uh, oh, a spiracy. A conspiracy. Yes. Uh, that's so what's your stuff. number three pro, my friend? My next pro, sir, is the actually the history that has come out with Really? The history of it. The fact that there has been a Galactic Senate, then there was Civil War, then there was mm -hmm. a Galactic Senate again, and there was more Civil War. Uh, and just such a rich history of characters. Uh, just to name one of my favorites off the bat, uh, Darth Nihilus. Yep. Uh, very fun character for me. Um, Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka we talked Tano. about it in episode we one. Darth Revan, Darth Malak, uh, Bastila Shan. I mean, there's such a rich history, and and I understand these are Jedi and Sith I'm referring to, but yes. uh, you have to understand that is where a lot of the history comes from. Yes, is quality they, story is quality story. It doesn't matter what side of the, the force it's on. And it seems that in the Star Wars universe, no matter what time period you go to, the Jedi and the Sith have always seemed to really kind of set the tone and mold the whole universe. Yes. To, Absolutely. To a degree, uh, to at least a small degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just the, the actual just history of it all. It's good. What, it's really deep and rich. And it that, is. And that always helps when you're, you're building a universe, when you've got a lot of foundation to build on. And, and then the mention of relics and uh, planets that are now deserted, uh, the history of one of my favorite histories is one that you don't really know much about, the Sand People. Mm -hmm. That I would love to actually see Star Wars actually address the history of the Sand People more. Yeah, the only thing you know about them is that they ride single file to hide their numbers. Yep. That's pretty much it. I mean, you really don't need to know anything else, but you know that's pretty much it. Yep. And so my pro number three uh, ties into something uh, that James is just talking about. And that's the story-rich environment of Star Wars. Like, if you watch any one Star Wars movie, there's like five different stories going on at the same time. Like, just take, for instance, like The Phantom Menace. Okay, you got uh, the Trade Federation, their whole thing going on. You got uh, Emperor Palpatine, who at the time is like, you know, Chancellor Palpatine. He's got all his stuff going on behind the scenes. You got uh, Qui-Gon and um, Obi-Wan's relationship. You got Darth Maul. You got the whole thing with Queen Amidala and the situation on Naboo going. You got the whole thing with the Gungan situation. Like, 
There's like eight or nine stories going on in a single movie. And who could ever forget the fact that we're going to meet a young little boy by the name of Anakin. Anakin Skywalker. His whole backstory. Like the whole thing. Like There's like so many things going on in a single movie. And they're always handled so expertly. There's never any little dangling threads or glaring plot holes that you need to address or anything like that. And I really do really think that's like a quality product when it comes to the Star Wars franchise. My last supporting pro the Jedi and Sith powers. And I put this in a category all to its own. Okay. For one simple reason. Catch lightning, folks. When Yoda in episode two catches Dooku's lightning. This is the same lightning that in episode six, we saw it killed Vader, pretty much. Yeah. It pretty much had Luke to where he could not do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. But yet Yoda holds up one hand and just catches the stuff. Yes, like a baller. Like a boss. Like a boss. And not to mention, in the Star Wars mythos, there is actually a little-known power. Yoda had it, but never used it. Luke and Leia combined did this power once. They used the Force to destroy a whole planet. Yeah. Now, those of you who know the Star Wars mythos will understand that Darth Nihilus's power that he used was he could drain the force from an entire planet and leave it lifeless. That's not the same thing as destroying a planet. Nope. Now, that planet might deteriorate very quickly after this is done, but that's not the same thing as destroying a planet. We're talking... Exploded. Yeah. That. The whole damn thing. I mean, when you're talking about Jedi powers, and let's not forget Force Choke. Yeah. I find your lack of faith disturbing. disturbing. Here we go with the quotes again. I know, right? There you go. But, you know, the Jedi and Sith powers are just really, really something. And the fact that they've come up with all these concepts of powers and different abilities Mm -hmm. is amazing. I mean, at its core, it's basically like, you know, like modified telekinesis, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, and just to take the idea of telekinesis and just to be able to mold it and shape it to create so many different various powers that seemingly are different, mm-hmm. but yet somehow they're kind of the same. It, it's just, it amazes me. It's I really it. cool. It is super cool. Your last pro, Jerry. My last pro, two words, Han Solo. That dude is the bomb, okay? Um, he's just the coolest character in the whole Star Wars franchise. I don't care what you say, who else ever you bring up, you can have your Chewbacca, you can have your Yoda, and for you weird guys, you can have Wedge. No. Han Solo, hands down, the best character in the Star Wars franchise. And also, in the movies that you see, the oldest character in the Star Wars franchise. Indeed. Now, do you know why he's the oldest, James? I do not. I'll tell you why. While I was researching for the podcast, and I come across the quote, the ship that made the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs, right? We all know the quote. Well, your more astute nerds into nerddom may realize that a parsec is a measure of distance and not time. Okay. Okay. So, the original Kessel Run measured 18 parsecs, okay? Okay. That means it would have taken him 59 years. To make the run, okay? Okay. That's 59 years on the Millennium Falcon to make the run. Right. 
He did it in 12. Now, how did he do that? He flew through the maw. He used the black holes in the maw to shave the distance from 18 parsecs down to 12 parsecs, which still took him 39 years to make the trip. So that means the Kessel Run to Kessel and back, okay, would have taken 80 years of flight time. Now, not for him because of that whole, you know, uh, temporal causality, relativity. Time would have moved at a normal pace for him. But for everybody else in the universe, 80 years would have passed before he made it to Kessel and back, which means that he's technically older than Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's incredible. Isn't it, though? I never really looked at it that way. Yes. That's when you like when you go deep dive into the nerddom, and you're like, oh, wow. And then you go a little bit deeper, and you're like, oh, cool. And you go a little bit deeper and go, that's just kind of weird. But it happens. Okie doke. So those are the pros. Now it's time to talk about the bad stuff. All right, folks. I'm going to go ahead and kick this off with probably the most obvious con of the Star Wars universe. Now, some people will not believe it's a con. Some people will think this is actually one of the pros because it's become such a major meme. Stormtroopers aim. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest here, like, okay, first of all, you know, um, they're supposed to be cloned after, like, a, a, a fantastic soldier, yet somehow they can't shoot anything. And that was in the movie with, you know, with the clone. And then later on, um, you know, even when they're a diverse cast, like, who's training these guys? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, even in The Mandalorian, you know, even in the very last episode of the first season, mm-hmm. there's two uh, speeder bike troopers who are sitting there, sitting down, not mo- not even driving. They're sitting down yeah. on their speeder bikes, shooting at a stationary object. Each one takes a couple of shots and cannot hit it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. The only thing I can assume is that the helmet, like, blinds them somehow, but like, the, narrows their field of vision. I'm not sure. But the funny thing is, in the... In the uh, prequel trilogy, it turns out they're all clones of a bounty hunter. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. Jango Fett. Yeah. Like, they should be really, really good at what they're doing. You would think. Unless he was just really, really bad at it. Like, maybe he's nearsighted, and they cloned him and didn't fix his vision. I don't know. It's possible. It's, it's weird. Anyways. Yes. But yeah, that is that is my number one con. Jerry? All right. So, uh, my number one con is probably going to give me some flack, and I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm going to accept it fully. My my one of my biggest complaints about uh, the 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 Star Wars universe is the use of the Force as a cop out. Like I know that in the Last Jedi, right, uh, when uh, the ship gets destroyed, Leia gets you know sucked out into the vacuum of space, and like she's for sure a goner, and then her hand reaches out, and now she's pulling herself back in. Like we always knew she was a Force adept. Like you know we knew it, but right. it's like. Come on, really? Like, this is how we're going to solve this? Like, because I just, it, it's one of those things where. I have something I want to say right here, Jerry, but I can't say it. And you know why I can't say it. Yes, I know why you can't say it. It's fine. But it's one of those things where, you know, if you use something in service to the plot, it, it, it works out fine. But when you use it as a plot device, like as plot armor, that's just, I got a problem with that. Like, and I'll be honest with you, it's a fantastic scene. The whole showdown between Kylo Ren and Luke. In the movie, fantastic. But when you find out that he's been a force ghost, like, you know, just like projecting his image out there, like, come on, man. Like, really? I just, it it felt like a a cop out to me. And that was a problem for me. Uh, I get it. I get it. My number two problem 
is one that I'm going to catch some flack for as well, Jerry. It's okay. We're here for you, buddy. It is that with the whole storyline between the Jedi and Sith, there are the, the history of the Jedi Order is littered with stories about Jedi who converted to the Sith Order and then came back. But you never hear about anybody who started as a Sith, at least to the best of my knowledge. If I am wrong, please email us. N-A-K at nerdofmanknowledge.com. But I am not familiar with one single story where a Sith started out as a Sith and ultimately changed their mind and decided to become a Jedi. No, I take that back. I do remember one now. And this is not considered part of the canon universe, but this is Mara, who winds up becoming Luke's wife. Yeah, I was just getting ready to mention there was somebody in the novels, but I couldn't remember who her name was, and then you said her name. One. Now, the history of the Jedi Order is littered with Jedi who have converted to Sith, and then maybe converted back, maybe not. One, folks. One, that I can recall. If you Mm -hmm. can come up with another, please feel free to correct me. But I just find that a little unbalanced, and that is probably where some of the storytelling falls short. Maybe a little bit of it. It's a possibility. But, you know, then again, that's not really considered part of the canon universe. That's my number two, Jerry. Yeah. So um, my number two is uh, something that I'm affectionately referring to uh, as the midichlorian mistake. Um, For those of you who are not aware, um, like in the original trilogy, it was just the Force is this mystical power that, you know, flows throughout the universe and, um, you know, people can use it for good or use it for evil. And then in The Phantom Menace, they were all of a sudden, oh, well, it's these tiny microscopic organisms that live in your cells and they allow you to access the Force. And it was just one of those things that didn't need to be explained. Like nobody was curious as to where the force came from. Like we just assumed like it was just out there and you could access it and you could make it, you know, do stuff for you. But no, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's a tiny little midichlorians in your bloodstream that allow you to do it. And I was like, come on, like you didn't need to do that. It didn't need to be said. Couldn't agree more, Jerry. Could not agree more. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I mean, at at first I was, I was kind of, I was kind of being quiet because the midichlorian problem, I was kind of like, I don't think I'm going to go with you on this one, Jerry. But actually, you, you make some valid points, and I couldn't agree more now. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. It's wonderful when you could change someone's mind about something. Give someone's just, mind about something. Give them a new perspective. Exactly. Just like when I proved a couple of weeks ago that the Riddler was Batman's greatest villain. Uh, well, you still haven't proven it to me, but you moved him up on my list. Yeah. That's well, something. Will believes it, and that's all that matters. Yes. Thank you, Will. You've created the monster. <laughs> my next issue with Star Wars is one that kind of is littered throughout the Star Wars universe, and that is there are some major plot holes that they've had to go back and kind of cement over with either novels or books or other things. I I just, I'm not a fan of plot holes. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody's a fan of plot holes. Well, I mean, and, and you know, it's, I'm a fan of the Star Wars universe, folks, so it's hard for me to really pick it apart and find problems, but I mean, there are. It's just they're things that I tend to forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, episode two, when you go to the planet Camino and you find out that a Jedi Master, uh, Cypher Diaz, is the one who's commissioned the Clone Army. Now, who the hell is Cypher Diaz? Who the hell is he? He commissioned the Clone Army. He commissioned the Clone Army. He commissioned all of these soldiers. You think we'd have met him? I mean, wouldn't you think? At least once. Or at least heard the name prior to this. Yes, indeed. I mean, it's the first time you hear him mentioned. I mean, to me, 
And, I, and maybe I'm nitpicking, folks. And if I am, please fee, fee, feel free to email us. Yes, nak at nerdmanknowledge.com. Thank you. But you're welcome. Uh, and, and that's just one example. There are some other examples, and some of these are not really plot holes, but just plot issues, really, I think is the best way I need to put this, because one is uh, you had the novelizations, which explained that Han saved Chewie's life, and it gave a circumstance that is not what you see in uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm -hmm. uh, the situation from the novels, correct me if I'm wrong, feel free, and I'm sure there is one person I know of who will, Chewie was captured by the Empire, or, he, no, not captured by the Empire, he was captured, and Han broke free, and Han helped break Chewie out, but Chewie, little known to Han, was going to die. He was going to be put to death. So, effectively, Han saved Chewie's life, so Chewie owes him a life boon. Mm -hmm. Now, Solo, a Star Wars story, it doesn't really, I mean, it kind of does, but to me, it sort of feels like it's just kind of implied that he's given the life boon, but it doesn't really confirm it. Yeah, it's me. not actually, like, spelled out. Yeah. And and I get you don't have to spell everything out in movies, and you don't. You really don't. Yes. But this, to me, was something I felt it kind of needed to be spelled out because the Han and Chewie relationship is one of the, my favorite parts of the Star Wars universe. It's a pretty good one. You know, and mainly because there was so much mystery surrounding it. Like, how the hell is this big hairy thing Following this little human. I don't appreciate that you pointed at me when you said this big hairy thing. Okay, I was just pointing, I was just gesturing. I, I know, hand, I know, you know, but it just happened to be in my general direction, and I am a big hairy thing, so. Okay, I apologize, Jerry. Oh, it's fine, buddy. I All still right. love you. All right, I love you too. All right. Moving on, next. Okay, so um, if you want to talk about glaring plot holes, um, I've got one for you, buddy, which is my number three con, and that is what I'm going to refer to affectionately as the sister kisser. Oh, did you have to go there, man? <laughs> yeah, I did. So, um, for those of you who are not aware of the fact, and I don't know how you exist in this planet, in this universe, in this time period, and aren't aware of it, um, Luke and Leia are brother and sister. Indeed. Yes. Before you find out this fact, uh, they kiss each other four times. Uh, and it's not just like little pop kisses, folks. Like These are lingering kisses yeah so the the plot hole issue is that you can you can see like you can clearly clearly see that george lucas originally did not intend for them to be brother and sister it was obviously supposed to be some sort of love triangle between luke leia and han that was supposed to be the dynamic right but later on through storyboarding or through the writing panel or whatever they came up with the idea oh let's make them brothers and sisters that'll be super cool and so that was kind of uh what decision they went with but you can tell that, that was not the original plan uh, because they're like making out, and that's just weird. Uh, really, really kind of creepy. Okay, so going back to those holes issues. Yes. This one's been made of, made fun of on Family Guy. It's been made fun of by quite a few people. The exhaust porthole in the Death Star. Yeah. Wow. I don't know who the guy that designed that was. Uh, but if he was on the Death Star and he's not dead, he was definitely fired. <laughs> you think? I'm, I'm fairly certain, yeah. I think he lost his job. I don't think he did, Jerry, because they repeated the same issue on the second Death well, no, Star. See, I, I, I have a theory behind that, and that theory is this, okay? <laughs> okay. The I'm original thinking. guy that designed it and put the exhaust port there, he died, okay? So when they went to build the second one, they found his plans 
and gave them to a new construction foreman, okay? He didn't realize the exhaust port was the thing that destroyed the first one, so he just built it specifically to code following the guy's original blueprints. No, 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 not quite, Jerry. Not quite. The first Death Star, you had to fire a torpedo into it. The second one, you could fly a ship into it. Okay, so he made it a little bigger, all right? Maybe they wanted to increase the scale. Maybe they had more I, apartment I, complexes they wanted to build in this one. I don't know. I mean, folks, I, I, yeah. got, I got nothing else I could say. Yeah, it's, I, I, mean, think, it's, I think when I say it, it pretty much explains itself. Yes. But that's me. It does. Go ahead, Jerry. So, um, my, final, um, my final con is about one specific movie. And I, I always get heat when I bring this up, and it's fine. I'll deal with it. And that is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Okay? Okay. Before you get started, Jerry, I just want to say, I love the movie. Yes. I love the movie. I know you did. I thought the story was great. Yes, it was a fantastic story. But, you, but the problem is, it d- didn't need to be told. Like, it just didn't need to be made. Well, you you, nope. kind, you kind of got a point there. See, nobody was watching episode four, the original movie, and going, you know what? How did they get the plans for the Death Star? Like, n- nobody needed that information. It was just one of those things that was like, okay, at this point, we're just making movies to make money. And that's what I feel like Rogue One. I also had the same problem with Solo, but uh, Solo was a, a, a slightly lesser... Like people wanted to know the history of Han Solo, so that's right. why they made the movie. I get that. Rogue One to me was just a literal cash cow. Like, just how much can we make money off of a Star Wars, you know, movie? And that's what it was. It just didn't need to be made. I'm sorry, it didn't. Uh, I understand. Okay, hey, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. And yeah, you're right. That story didn't need to be told. I'm glad they told it. I actually love the movie, but. Uh, yeah, if you leave that movie unmade, I mean, you're really not left with left no. scratching your head about it. And anything. there's really is no like there, the, the the movie did no, it did nothing to, in my opinion, help the Star Wars franchise. Like it didn't flesh out any uh, details that people wanted to know more about. Oh, well, I could see that. Yeah. Okay, see, my okay. final con, and I'm going to catch some flack for this one too. I know I am. It's cool though. Yeah, we can deal with it. Episode six, Ewoks. Okay, bro, if you're about to hate on Ewoks... Okay, no, no, no. I don't hate Ewoks. I think it's a cool idea. My problem is, what that was supposed to be on Endor would have been better. Okay, fair enough. Argue, tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. For those of you unfamiliar with what we're talking about, the original story is supposed to be Wookiees were on Endor. Wookiees, plural. Multiple Chewbacca-like creatures. Or Wookiees. 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 We'll go with Wookiees. Wookiees. Okay. Now, I understand why they went with Ewoks. They're cute. They're marketable. I get it. They're freaking adorable. I get it. So I don't hate them for that. What I hate is the fact that you took Wookiees away from me. Now, I don't care if you went back and gave them to me in episode three, which, by the way, thank you for doing that. Yep. We appreciate it. But I would have much rather had them in episode six. That's just me personally. Absolutely. It is that time. It is time. For the Nerd Nest update. The Nerd Nest. Jerry, what do we got this week? So, uh, first of all, full disclosure, uh, we were supposed to announce the extra item that we put into the Nerd Nest on our Facebook page. And we were supposed to do it last week. We goofed. Yeah, we didn't do that. Um, Just kind of like slipped to our fingers, slipped to our minds. 
Um, we're old. It happens. And we also have jobs outside of this. Yes, we do. And, and so we forgot. Yeah. yeah. Full disclosure, we apologize. So We are sorry. Please forgive us. Yes. We're please. on our knees. We are. We are. But, so, we are proud to announce that we will be adding a $50 Amazon gift card to the Nerd Nest. $50 Amazon gift card. Yeah. And, thanks to a generous donation by one of our sponsors, we are also going to be adding a wireless, rechargeable gaming keyboard and mouse combo. That is amazing, folks. It really is. Not only that, it has a little cradle uh, where you can rest your cell phone, and it'll charge that, too. Really? I thought you were going to say it would let your cell phone sleep because it was a cradle. Well, I'm I'm sure your phone could sleep there, um, but it would probably want to be somewhere more comfortable. You're probably right. Yeah, like on the bed beside you when you fall asleep playing on Facebook. Not that that happens. Uh, so, uh, once again, uh, you have to enter to win the Nerd Nest. And how do you do that, James? You use the keyword. Email yes. it to us. Do you do indeed? Oh, and full disclosure, last week when I was talking about you know sending in the emails, make sure you enter, there is one little thing. We need you to specify the episode that the keyword you're sending is from. Yes. We had, we had one little snafu. We were able to figure it out. It's we no did. problem. But if you would, please, when you email us, just in the subject line, just put EP period and the episode number. Yeah, that's fine. Or you can spell out episode. If you want to. That's fine. Just make it easier on you. You got EP. a few extra minutes on your hands? Spell out episode. Yep. We're not going to stop you. And then just send us the keyword. You don't have to say the keyword for this episode. If you want to, you can. It's fine. Sure. But you could just put in the keyword in the body. I mean, that's you, all. Can, you can write us like a, a, a very sternly worded letter and include the keyword in it if you want to. Or just send the keyword. It's easier to do that. Whatever you want to do. Yes. So. This week's keyword. What is the keyword, Jerry? This week's keyword is something we've talked about a couple of times already. The yep. keyword is lightsaber. Lightsaber. Yeah, we know we make terrible lightsaber sounds. Yes, we do. It's, it's garbage. Yeah, but it's okay. We try our best, and that's all that matters. It is. Okay, so now on to Star Trek. Oh, and by the way, folks. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. This is Jerry's favorite. You're damn right it is. <laughs> Not surprise, that that surprise. wasn't obvious, but it is. Yeah, folks. Which is fine. I love Star Trek. It's that's, fantastic. That's why we're doing this. Indeed. And actually, uh, the, first, the first Star Trek or Star Wars I ever watched was Episode 4, New Hope. Which is probably the big reason I put it just slightly above. Star Trek? Yes. But Star Trek is very quickly kind of closing that gap, and then, you know, with the Mandalorian, it kind of opened the gap back up a little bit for me, so. Yeah, it's like a constant race of, like, who can get out the most content to feed your nerd rage. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So, James. This is the hell that is my head, folks, by the way. Yes, it really is. It's like just a constant war and battle between lightsabers and photon torpedoes. It's just crazy in there. It's insane. But James has some fun facts from the Star Trek universe that he would like to regale you with. Yes, folks. I actually had time to do some research, if you couldn't already tell by the fun facts I've already given you. Yeah, and they're good ones, too. And I'm going to start off with a real fun one. Did you know that the Vulcan hand gesture, live long and prosper, the hand gesture itself is actually part of a Hebrew blessing? I did know that. That is amazing, folks. I did not know this. But in my research for fun facts, I found this, folks. And I got to tell you, that 
is just amazing to me. It really is. Um, I believe the story behind it, if I'm not mistaken, was that uh, Leonard Nimoy was looking for something, uh, a way for Vulcans to, um, you know, express, you know, a greeting since they were very logical and not very emotional. So a handshake wouldn't work for them. Um, fist bumps hadn't been invented yet. Uh, so he went with the tragically. Vulcan. Yeah, really. And so he went with the Vulcan hand salute, which was uh, iconic. Like everybody knows it. Everybody does it. Even people who are not Trekkies know the hand gesture. Yes. They at least recognize it. They may not know what it's from, but they see it and they're like, oh yeah, that's what the nerds do. Yes. Unless you're like my wife and you can't get your fingers to quite go that way. You try your best though. Yep. But I always thought that was fun. Do you want to know what inspired Gene Roddenberry to come up with the idea behind Star Trek? I do want to know that. C.S. Forrester is an author who is known for his Horatio Hornblower novel series. Yes, I have heard of those. Uh, Jonathan Swift, if you recognize that name, there's a very good reason why. Gulliver's Travels. Fantastic series of books. Have you heard your parents or your grandparents talk about Wagon Train? Oh, man, that's some good stuff. Well, folks, Gene Roddenberry combined the Horatio Hornblower series, Gulliver's Travels, and several old TV westerns, including Gunsmoke and Wagon Trail, to come up with a concept that is now known as Star Trek. Yes, a spaghetti western in space. That has got to be something, folks. Just to, just to think that these books, none of which deal with space. Not a lick. Just the fact that you can take these concepts and go, hmm, what if I were to do some of this stuff but do it in outer space in the future? Yes. And introduce weird things like phasers, transporters, photon torpedoes. Now, folks, this came out in the 60s. Indeed. In the 60s. That's a long time ago. And some of the technology that you see in Star Trek has actually been invented. It has. Uh, the communicators. Yes. Think about it. Those were the flip cell phones we used to have. They are. And we've moved beyond that. Indeed. We can, we can now go call home, and your phone will beep, 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 call home. It sure will. Not to mention the pads that they use to uh, share information with each other, or the predecessor of the modern tablet. And the view screen is basically Zoom or Skype. Yeah, teleconference. Yeah. I mean, all of these things... That were developed in the 60s, folks, we have today. So, yeah. I mean, just revolutionary thinking. And, and, and from if, you, if you think about it, you could also, you could make the point that the ideas that were generated on Star Trek were the ones that fostered the development of said technology. Argument could be made. Argument yes. could very well be made. I made that argument just now. Yeah, you did. Well, I was referring to the people listening could make the argument. Oh, well, they can argue all they want. You're it's a free saying, country. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting to me that all of these concepts that actually wound up coming to fruition, or at least a lot of them did. Yeah, indeed. Were inspired from a show that was inspired by books that had absolutely nothing to do with space. I find that fascinating. It, it's really cool, and I'm just still waiting on replicators. Like, I need that. Now, if you're a true Trekkie, or you're even a quasi-Trekkie, or even a, like, 116th Trekkie. Yes. Uh, you can actually claim to be Trekkie with 116th. Yes, you can. It's legal. We looked it up. It is. But Star Trek ran from 1966 to 1969, the original series. Yes, it did. Three years. Yes. Do you, and you know, another fun fact about that, it was actually canceled after its first season. Indeed. That's true, folks. That's true. That being said, 
you would think a TV series that was canceled after one year, brought back, and then was done in two more years, would basically be forgotten. Yeah, pretty much. You would think, wrong. Yeah. The first Star Trek convention was held in 1972, just three years after the show ended. Mm -hmm. Now, three years after a three-year show ends, folks, you would think would be enough time to forget about it. Yep. There were enough diehard fans that they actually held a convention. It might interest you to know that the very first Star Trek convention drew 3,000 people. That's a pretty good crowd. That's a good crowd. Now, the very next year, you know what they did, Jerry? Um, they had another convention. They did. You know how many people it drew? One million. No, I have no idea. It doubled to 6,000. That's a lot more people. In 1974, this is where it gets interesting, folks. In 1974, two years after the first convention, they drew five times the number of people from the first convention. That's Hang on, I can do this. 15,000. 15,000 people, but it yes. actually drew more because they had to turn 6,000 people away. That's, uh, carry the one. That's 21,000 people. 21,000 people, folks. Seven times the original crowd. Math is fun. It is. And... That is what is so interesting, folks. After the first convention, it just grew and grew and grew. It got bigger. Into this amazing phenomena known as Star Trek convention. Yes. And the people who go to these conventions and just general fans of Star Trek, the man across from me included, are referred to as Trekkies. We are. And I'm proud to call myself a Trekkie, too. I'm proud to call you a Trekkie, too, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, on a, a side note from your uh, previous fun fact, uh, do you know uh, what famous actress had a hand in getting the Star Trek series put back on the air? Uh, would that be the actress who played Ohura? No, it would not. Who is it then? Lucille Ball. Really? Yes. She was a uh, big fan of the show. Uh, she had very high hopes for what it could be. And so her production company actually went to the network and was like, you got to put the show back on the air. Like, you have to do it. You have to do it. And because she was such a big star, they caved and did it. And that's why we got two more seasons of the original series of Star Trek. And, folks, if you're not a Lucille Ball fan because of that, I don't know what more we can say. First of all, she's fantastic. Yeah, she really is. Uh, and the fact that she is the reason... That we got two more seasons of Star Trek and then got the phenomena we have today. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, she's awesome. She really is. Now, I have one more fun fact for you from Star Trek, Jerry. Lay it on me, Big Daddy. Now, you're going to know this. I probably will. Yeah. Trekkies will probably know this. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who are not true diehard Trekkies, you may not know this. Gene Roddenberry has a wife whose name is Majel Barrett. Yes. Now, she has been a part of every Star Trek series mm -hmm. and most of the movies. Indeed she has. And in the first movie, she was one of the doctors on the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. A nurse, actually. Yes, in the original series, she was Nurse Chapel. And she was on the very first Star Trek movie. Yep. Now, after the first Star Trek movie, she took a more... Vocal role, you could say, Jerry. She most certainly did. She is now the voice of the computer. Yes, she was is. the voice of the computer, is the voice of the computer. And thanks to technology, 
will probably be the voice of the computer if any more Star Trek series are Indeed made. Indeed, she will. Except for the the Abrams series. I don't believe they use her in that. No, they didn't. Also, she was uh, Deanna Troy's mother. Loxana Troy. Damn it, we Jerry. Did it we again. gotta stop. <laughs> it's getting creepy. <laughs> it really is. Oh, my God. We've been around too much. Each- yes. We've been around each other too much, folks. But there you go, folks. Those are my fun facts. Those are very fun facts, James. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And you know what? If you don't mind, Jerry, I'd like to start this time. You go right ahead, sir, because you stole my number one anyway. Did I steal your number one? It's okay, though, buddy. You roll with it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't it's fine. mean to. My number one was that uh, some of the technology shown on Star Trek has become real life items. And oh, oh, my fun fact. It's okay, it. buddy. I'm it's sorry. Okay. Hey, you, you know what? You know what? Why don't you go ahead? Just elaborate on it a little bit more. No, I mean, that was all my point was. You made the whole thing for me. So there's nothing I can elaborate on. So you go ahead, buddy. Okay. I, I'm sorry, Jerry. It's fine, man. No worries. Uh, my first pro is each captain, whether it, move, whether it be moving, whether it be series, had a little bit of a rebellious streak to their nature. Yes, they did. Uh, even Captain Catherine Janeway, who's considered to be one of the more straight line, you know, kind of walk the line captains. Even she was capable of bending or slightly fracturing a rule of the Federation here or there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did it quite often, actually. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard, who's considered to be one of these most respected captains in the Federation, mm-hmm. on numerous occasions, fractured and broke a few laws. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, James T. Kirk, rules? What are those? Yeah, he didn't know what they were. I, I honestly believe that uh, they, when they were like passing out the rule books in Starfleet Academy, he was just absent that day. Probably with a green-skinned chick. More than likely, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, but we'll get into that later. We will. But yeah, I just love the fact that the captains are not so, you know, by the book, straight and narrow. I just like that they actually wrote them to be a little. A little bit rebellious, a little bit of a wild side to him. I just like that. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And Jerry. Yes. Go ahead. Well, since you stole my first one, I'll just go ahead and jump right into my second. Um, in my opinion, uh, Star Trek has the better aliens uh, of the series. I mean, you see multiple uh, different uh, races of aliens in the Star Wars franchise. Uh, but they're never really talked about. Um, they're never really expanded on. You never really learn anything about their society. I mean, unless you read the accompanying materials. Uh, but they make it a good point in the Star Trek series. Like, to take Klingons, for instance. Like, uh, you see Klingons, and then while you see Klingons, during the dialogue or during the episode, uh, you'll get uh, tidbits and insights into their culture and their belief system. Um, there's actually a uh, an episode uh, that I remember from the uh, the Next Generation uh, where they met some uh, they had some fish people uh, that were beamed on board and like the whole episode like the first fifteen or twenty minutes they were talking about well this is what they eat and this is their belief system and when they come on board they're going to hibernate when they wake up they're going to be like ravenous and they're going to have to eat all this food and it's just a little those little things like that like uh, the Cardassians the Romulans. All those alien races, not only do you get to see them, not only are they antagonists uh, for uh, you know, the Federation, but at the same time, you get to learn so much about their history uh, and their culture, and I always really appreciated that. That is, you know what, Jerry, I'm in awe. 
Because honestly, I've been a fan of the Star Wars aliens. I've been a fan of the Star Trek aliens. I really didn't see much difference between the two. But yeah, now that you think about it, now that you now that you've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah, you you got a point. Thank you. you I appreciate point. that. Okay. Your next point, sir. My next point, sir, is, and and this is funny, folks. I'm actually going to knock out one of my cons right here too at the same time. Because the same thing that is a pro for me is also a con for me. Okay, I can see that. Okay, the United Federation of Planets. Yes. Okay, the reason it is a pro for me, folks, is because of the fact that it actually shows that, to me, it's kind of a hopeful thing that, you know, even in the future, mankind is able to put aside their differences and actually put aside differences with other races from other planets and actually learn to get along and coexist. And that's all there really is for the pro. Mm-hmm. Now, the con is that it's politics. Yeah. As much as I used to like politics, I've become a bit disenfranchised as a word. Yeah, it's definitely a word. Uh, it's a good word. I've become very disenfranchised with, with politics because of the fact that it, it, is, it, is, it is a game, almost. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's like, how much damage can we do to another side to further our own interest? Yeah, and absolutely. And unfortunately, that plays out in the Star Trek series. It does. On more than one occasion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that people use rules and regulations to get their own way and kind of work around the loopholes of the law, that's an aspect I don't like the United Federation of Planets. I, I can see that. I can see that. But the concept itself of the United Federation of Planets I like the what actually is done with it. I don't like kind of the same problem I have with politics. Yeah, they've uh, they've addressed that uh, in a couple of uh, different uh, different episodes and, and movies uh, where you'll see like the Federation towing the line, and then you'll have Picard um, or Captain Cisco famously, um, you know, just being like, no, that like that may be the way that you want things to be done, but it's not the right way to do them, and so. Yeah. So for me, I just knocked out a pro and a con, folks. Two at once. Two birds with one stone. Yes. Jerry, you're next. Yes. Now, this one might catch me a little bit of flack, but I'm going to go ahead and run with it because it is what it is. Do it, man. I'm doing it. Uh, Star Trek has better villains. Like, they just do. Um, you know, when you're, when you're watching uh, Star Wars movies, it's always the dark side. Like, that's your bad guy. The Empire, you know, that, that's your only antagonist. Now, don't get me wrong, Darth Vader's a bad dude, okay? We'll all agree to that. But um, in, the, uh, in the Star Trek universe, now, the first one, you know, you've got Q. Now, Q's not really a bad guy. He's kind of an omnipotent being. He's a little misunderstood. Uh, but then you get down to the Borg, which is like the main antagonist. Um, you know, their only goal is to assimilate and acquire other cultures and technologies and make them their own. Uh, seeking perfection, and they'll they'll destroy any planet, destroy any civilization. They do not care. Uh, now later on in Voyager, uh, you meet somebody who's even badder than the Borg, and that's Species Eight Four Seven Two, uh, who even give the Borg a run for their money. And you know when and back when we were talking about heroes and villains, like we were talking about how you know the, a good villain uh, makes your your hero that much better. Uh, so when you've got like uh, Picard facing off against the Borg. You know, an enemy that they don't know how to beat. They have to figure out how to do it. Um, and so 
that kind of antagonist, uh, that kind of uh, you know confrontation, just makes for a better product. And that's why I think Star Trek has the better villains. It ends up being a better product. I can agree. And my number three pro is just one captain, one captain in particular, James Tiberius Kirk. Now, Jerry does not agree with me on this. I don't. Now, let me explain why. The whole thing about the bit of a rebellious nature of the captains, mm -hmm. that, is a big, that is a big point for me, that, you know, you don't have to always play by the rules to get things done. Now, no one embodies this better than James Tiberius Kirk. And let's face it, he got to be romantically involved with multiple beautiful women from multiple different races and was the first interstellar playboy. How do you not like a character like that? I'll tell you how I don't like a character like that, James. Okay. And uh, the only reason I don't like, uh, I don't have a problem with the character of Kirk, okay? Uh, my problem is with the actor that plays Kirk. <coughs> and it's just, it's, it's just like, it's so ham-handed, like, and I'm a fan of the original series, uh, more of a fan of TNG in the later series, but it's just, it, Shatner is just so heavy-handed with everything he does, like, it, it, it ruined it for me. I mean, I'm sorry. No, I get it, I get it, and you're not wrong, and the whole thing about the way uh, Shatner played Kirk has become, become a meme in and of itself. Yeah, it most certainly has. But the thing about it is, is that, uh, for me, James Kirk is just the, is, you know, the interstellar playboy, the rebellious captain, the thorn in the side of the Federation, even though he gets the job done time and time and time again. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, they made him the captain of the flagship. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, James Tiberius Kirk, maybe not so much William Shatner, but Shatner, I love you, man. I think you're great. Yes, if you're listening right now. I think you're a terrible actor, but I love you as James D. Kirk. Jerry, your next pro. Okay. Uh, my next pro uh, is something that uh, James alluded to during his fun facts, and that's just the multitude of Star Trek material that is out there for you to view and for you to enjoy. The multiple series, the multiple movies, the animated series, the comic books, the novels. If you're a Trek fan, there's so much Trek out there for you to absorb. It's ridiculous. And so uh, when I was growing up and, uh, you know, watching The Next Generation, which was the first show that I was introduced to because uh, the original series came out, I was not even thought of. Uh, so that was the first one I watched. Of course, I went back and watched the original series. And so it, all that material that was out there for me to absorb right then, right there, and then you followed by all the other episodes, you know, Deep Space Nine, uh, Enterprise, Voyager, um, Discovery now, um, Picard that just came out on CBS All Access. Um, it's just there's so much Trek out there for you to enjoy, and it's just fantastic, and I love it. That is a very good point, sir. Thank you. And you kind of touched on this one, so I'm kind of hesitant to do it, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Do the damn thing. I'm going to do the damn thing. Okay. The ability of Star Trek to keep fresh storylines with new enemies going that i commend them on most a lot of tv series have to you know just create or just 
redo the same story over and over and over and over and over, and it gets monotonous. It does. And eventually, it'll kill a series. It'll kill it. Kill it dead. It can. But Star Trek, in a way, kind of does that because it's still an enemy with superior technology or a different technology they're not used to. Mm -hmm. But they're creative enough to create these different races, these different species, with their own unique flavor of weaponry. Mm -hmm. You know, even a race like from Star Trek Voyager, the Herogen, which yes. is just a race of hunters. That's all they do. They have armor. They have weaponry. They are constantly reinventing their weaponry, upgrading it, redeveloping it. Just that race in and of itself still made for a great story. It did. Like the dichotomy and the... Um uh, you know, the difference is like you see the crew of Voyager and they're all, well, they're, of course, they're part of the Federation. And the Federation is all, you know, uh, oneness and openness and togetherness. And then the Herogen are over here like, I'm going to hunt you and kill you. Which, I mean, you don't get much more straightforward for a race. We yeah. hunt for sport. That's yes, all we do. We do it. And like they pride themselves on, you know, their, their kills. Like they, um, you know, kind of like the Predator. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's almost like I think they were, uh, yeah, they were very like the armor and the markings and everything, very, very similar to the Predator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even with enemies like this, they still were able to tell great stories that kept you interested, kept your attention. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, I got to commend Star Trek on that. It's a, it's, it's a good thing. It yeah. is a good thing. Jerry? So, my last pro um, is, of course, the greatest captain in the Star Trek universe, and that is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. You know, folks, I gotta agree with him on this. As much of a fan of Kirk as I am, the reason I did not do Picard, the reason I did not do Picard, is because, folks, I know Jerry. I yes. knew Picard was going to be on his list. You're damn right he was. But, Patrick Stewart is a national treasure. He should be... He should, every, we should do everything we can to make sure that Patrick Stewart never dies. That man is just fantastic. But I wanted to make sure that James Tiberius Kirk, maybe not so much William Shatner, but James Tiberius Kirk, stayed in the conversation. Yes. So, like I said, the first captain that I was introduced to with Star Trek is uh, John Luke Picard. Um, you know, you find out a lot about his backstory, his life story, um, you know, through various episodes and everything like that. Uh, but the thing that makes him like the treasure of, of Star Trek for me is that. Uh, he's a man of morals. He's not morally ambiguous, okay? Uh, he's not like, um, you know, Kirk, where he'll uh, directly flaunt, um, you know, in the face of authority just to do it. He stands up for what he believes is right, and he always does that. There's never been, there was never an episode uh, of the series, the movies that he was in, where he ever turned his back on doing the right thing. It never happened. Like, you don't get characters in television and movie series. Uh, I mean, we're going to be getting into the stuff like with anti-heroes in a couple episodes from now. We're not going to talk about that right now. But you, you rarely come across a character in a TV, television series, uh, or a movie who is just a genuinely, morally right person. And Jean-Luc Picard is totally that. You know what? I could not agree more. Well, thank you, sir. Oh, I'm getting a clap. Standing up. Standing up. 
Sorry, bad news. That was extremely loud, the microphone, by the way. I am so sorry, (laughs) folks. If you are listening to this in your car, I apologize. Your speakers just blew the F up. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's fine. I apologize. But... Uh, and that's it for the pros, Jerry. Yes, I know you hated coming to this part, man. I do, but now even as a as a super huge fan of Star Trek, there are still things about the series that bother me, the series and the television show and the movies and the whole nine thing. I, and I will address those shortly. Okay, my first con I'm going to use, and, and you may not agree, and that's fine if you don't. My first con is the Prime Directive. I'm listening. Uh, uh, Jerry is not going to agree with me on this. I will go ahead and tell you. Because me and Jerry have actually had this conversation at least once before that I can recall. A couple of times. But my big problem with the Prime Directive is the Prime Directive states that you are not to interfere with a civilization or a culture that is underdeveloped. Yes, pre-warp civilization. Pre-warp civilization specifically. And the reason you are not allowed to do this is because you may interfere with the natural evolution of this race, even if it means their destruction. That is correct, yes. Now, my objection is not the soundness of the policy. I get the soundness of the policy, because if you took a machine gun and put it in the hands of a caveman, you would have major problems. Yes, you'd have machine gun cavemen. I get that. If you take a primitive culture and you give them advanced weaponry, you are going to create genocide. I get that point. Yes, absolutely. You, know, you give a violent race warp technology, they're going to try to conquer. Uh, all of these points, folks, I get it. Here's my problem. When the Prime Directive allows a planet to die, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. If you have superior technology, not to give them, but if you could find a way, and they kind of addressed this in the second rebooted movie. They did. Where they, the technology existed for them to save this planet from dying, not to mess with it, not to advance their technology, just to save the race, the civilization, just to save it, give them a chance to keep going. Who knows? They may have become a warp-capable civilization down the road. You don't know. Mm-hmm. But because, oh, the volcano's going to blow up, they're all going to die. Oh, pff, oh, well, I don't agree with that. That's a personal thing for me. Yes. And I get, and I get Jerry's point, and he's about to make it, and I'm going to let him make it, folks. But my point is, if you have the technology to save a race and allow them to develop into what could be a better race, why not give them that chance? But here comes the counterpoint to that. Jerry, go ahead. Yes, and so before I make the counterpoint, I will go ahead and point out, there was actually an episode of The Next Generation uh, where there was a planet that was having uh, major uh, tectonic issues. And so uh, they used uh, the phasers on the Enterprise to drill holes into the core of the planet to uh, vent some of the pressure so that the planet wouldn't blow up. Um, but now this, they were a industrialized civilization. They had not yet achieved warp capability. Um, but they were a little bit further along than the ones you were talking about in the second Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but my counterpoint about the Prime Directive has always been uh, one thing, and that's where do you draw the line? That's why the Prime Directive exists. Um, okay, well, we're going to save these people from their planet you know, being blown up. Okay, fine. Uh, well, we stopped the volcano, but now they're starving. Do we give them food? Do we give them replicator technology? Well, uh, these people are really good, but these people over here are super bad, and they're going to invade it. Do we hand them weapons? 
so the, the prime directive to me was just put in place as a stopgap. Like, this is not, we're not going to go down this path. Because if we go down this path, there's no turning back. We do, we, there's no way you can, um, you know, hand somebody a phaser and say, okay, well, only shoot those guys because they're trying to be bad. Or this is replicator technology. You can only use it to make food. Don't use it to make building materials or clothing. Uh, so the prime directive, I think, was put there basically just stopgap. Like this is this is the line we draw. We're not going any further, and that's what I've always said. And folks, this is why me and Jerry we don't butt heads. We don't get angry about this conversation. We don't because nope. there is such a thing as a actual intellectual discussion. Yeah, it happens occasionally. Yeah, you don't have usually to argue. not on the internet. I don't have to look at Jerry and call him a poo poo head. No, and I don't have to look at James and call him a doo doo face. So you see how that works, folks? Yeah, we, we just know it's understood. We, so. well. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason we don't have to do this, folks, is because we are capable of exchanging ideas, making points, making counterpoints, yeah, and actually coming to either a reasonable agreement, which most of the time yeah. is actually an agreement. Like, okay, you've got valid points, and I've got valid points. And sometimes it's a, okay, we're just going to have to agree to disagree this time. Yeah, we're just going to have to let this one and, go. And, you know, it's amazing, folks. You can actually do that. You can agree to disagree. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And still get along. It's fascinating. It happens. It happens. Okay, Jerry. Yes. I think it's time for my next con. No, it's time for my first con. Oh, your first con. Oh, yes. we still haven't come off mine. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. My bad. Uh, my first issue with Star Trek is, uh, it's, it's actually a term uh, that's been coined specifically because of the show, and that is the word technobabble. Now, if you're not familiar with what technobabble is, uh, go watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, okay? Wait for Geordi LaForge to come on the screen, and wait for words to come out of his mouth, and then you will see <laughs> exactly what technobabble is. Um, basically, like as I stated in the first podcast, um, I read the Star Trek technical manual front to back. Okay, now that book exists specifically because they would drop so many different technological uh, terms, phrases, and jargon in the course of an episode that they had to go back and organize it all into a working, actual, honest-to-God manual to explain how the ship worked. Um, so they would have people, uh, you know, and they're talking about, well, you know, we need to polarize the main deflector dish or we need to uh, re-energize uh, the warp conduits and vent warp plasma into the Jeffrey's tubes and like all these different things that would just throw out there and it sounds cool but it's completely pointless like I cannot tell you the number of times that somebody has mentioned tetrion fields or tachyons in Star Trek in completely different ways that counteract and contradict other ways they've used them before it's just it's one of those things where you're like okay just 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 make something up and stick to it just please that's all i'm asking consistency folks yes that's what we're asking for is consistency your number two con sir all right my number two con my number two con is actually going against one of my pros william shatner's overacting it's pretty bad. It, it is. I love the character. And I know, well, what's the difference between James Tiberius Kirk and William Shatner? Well, William Shatner hasn't always played Kirk. Now, has he? They rebooted movies, didn't they? Yeah, they did. But 
The character James Tiberius Kirk, I am convinced, is a great character. William Shatner, as much as I love his acting, he is overacting on Star Trek was just a bit much. On the original series. Movies, it was actually better. But in the series, oh, my God. It, like I said before, I, it, it's, I can't, it's ham-handed it, is it, what it is. It's a, a bit. Yeah, a, bit, folks. a lot. <laughs> a bit, a lot. And, and, and I'm not going to take the time to explain it, folks. I just don't have the heart to I mean, do if, it. If, you've, if you've seen him, <laughs> you know what he's talking about. That's all you need to know. Yeah, so... There, there you go. I, I can't do it anymore. Jerry, go. Okay. So, uh, my my second my second issue with Star Trek, um, it's and, and for me it's a nitpicky thing, uh, but it's the ship design. Like if you watch Star Wars, there's so many different ships. There's so many different shapes. I mean, look at the Millennium Falcon, uh, Star Destroyers, Tie Fighters. Vader's TIE fighter. The X-Wing, the Y-Wing. The X-Wing, the Y-Wing, the A-Wing, the B-Wing, like, uh, AT-ATs. Like, every Star Trek ship is the same thing. It's a saucer, it's a star drive, and it's two nacelles. Or maybe three nacelles. Or maybe one nacelle. Or maybe even four sometimes. Sure. But it's always the same. And I get it. Like, it, it's an efficient design. And they build them that way because of the way the warp field is generated. I understand the science behind it, but it's so damn boring. Like, can I tell you how happy I was when they introduced the Defiant? I was like, yes, finally, <laughs> a different ship. And what one thing I will add to that that always disappointed me: the ships. I never really even. I was. I just kind of. I just. It's kind of like getting beat with a whip. After you get hit the fiftieth time, you're like, you know what? Okay. And but the penultimate moment for me about this, and it's something that people have complained about. If you haven't watched um, the the series Picard yet uh, on CBS Access, I'm going to go ahead and give you ten seconds right now. Spoiler alert: incoming. Go. Okay, we're back. All right, so here's what's going on. There's a scene uh, where Picard is facing off. Um, against the um, it's it's a Romulan faction. I can't remember the name of them right now. Uh, the Jajvat, I think is what they're called. And so Riker shows up to save him. All right, Riker shows up with a fleet of starships. Okay, they all look the same. Every single one of them is identical. And I'm not talking about they're similarly shaped. No, he even makes the mention. That he's there with a fleet of Star, Far, Starfleet's newest warship. Okay? They're all identical. All of them. And I'm like, I understand it's probably a budget thing, um, but it's just, it's like, why? Why could you not put just put one that looks like the old Enterprise, the Enterprise D or the Enterprise E? I don't care. Just throw an extra one in there. It just, it, it was, it was lazy to me and it, it hurts my feelings. Well, what I was going to actually make mention of is the fact that their freaking shuttlecraft haven't changed, ever. No, they haven't. Well, they did introduce the runabout in DS9, uh, which was good for, like, long-distance long shuttle missions. Right. Which was a good one. Okay, and so there were two pa different ones. Oh, well, no, Paris built the Delta Flyer and Voyager. Okay, But that technically three. wasn't a Starfleet vessel, so I'm going to give you that. So, three. At most, Yeah, three. like I said, I'm a Trekkie, folks. I know these things. <laughs> okay, three. Yes, okay. That, that was my problem, was the... Freaking shuttlecraft. Yeah, I mean, it, they it's made three. I mean, but at the same time, like, you know, how often are you using a shuttle? Do you really need to redesign them? 
Something I mean, they seem to crash a lot. You probably want to work on that. They just beat me over the head with too many saucers. Yeah, there's a lot of saucers. <laughs> I've got saucer damage. Yes, you do. <laughs> so do you, though. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Your right. next concert. My next con is, and I, you know what, folks? I just, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to make this my last one because I'm just nitpicking after this one. But, and I might be a little nitpicky on this. Did we have to keep bringing back the damn Tribbles? I hate Tribbles so much. <laughs> it, it was enough to have one episode on them. Yeah. It was enough to have one episode on them. And it's fine. It's fine for a little bit of comic diversity mm -hmm. to me. But you brought them back for Deep Space Nine. You did. And then you brought them back, even if it was just for a cameo, on the second rebooted movie. Uh, and yes, I'm nitpicking, folks. I'm nitpicking. But Tribbles. One time. That's it. Yeah. You, you bring up Tribbles again, we're going to have an issue. That's the trouble with Tribbles. Really? Yeah. I did that. All right. Well, that's it for me, folks. And actually, believe it or not, I did have one more. I could not come up with five. I came up with four, and Jerry hit on one, the ship designs. Yeah. Ship design is pretty bad. So that's my last one, folks. Jerry. Well, I've, I've got two more, so I'm going to just do them rapid fire back to back. Rapid fire. Hit it, man. Here we go. Uh, so, uh, the first one, and these are just, uh, weird reasons. Um, like here's the problem that I have, like Star Trek is it clearly taking place in the future. Okay. Uh, but somehow everyone is a fan of Shakespeare. Um, they all listen to some form of classical music, be that regular classical music or jazz or Riker even plays the trombone. Yeah, he does. Like, you mean to tell me that between like the 1600s up until the 24th century like there was no other novelist there was no other musicians they never mentioned Nietzsche or Kierkegaard or John Locke it's always Shakespeare or classical British authors and I, I understand why and they don't even bring up the Marvel or DC universe no nobody ever talks about any of that and it just doesn't make any sense to me uh so that's like a nitpicky thing to me um but the other thing is, like, everybody listens to classical music. Nobody listens to hip-hop. Nobody listens to rock music. Nobody even listens to country. And, I mean, I understand why nobody listens to country. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> um, you know, but how in the future did all forms of music die and all we're left with is Bach and Beethoven and Vivaldi? Um, you know, like, every time they have an episode where uh, Data ends up in a um, a play or something, it's always Shakespeare. It's always uh, something classical in that manner uh it's never anything modern they never do like um a streetcar named desire um or uh like you never saw them. i know it didn't exist at the time but like they could have been doing hamilton the rap musical you know you never know it just never ever happened on the show and so i thought it was kind of weird i'll grant you that yeah and then my my last one and this is something that you actually gave them a pro for and i'm gonna give them a con for and that is the redundant storylines now i know you kept making comments about how they have a you know better they have always have a, like a villain of the week type thing but it's always like a nuanced story here's my problem though there's like every season at least a couple of times somebody gets stuck in the holodeck and they got to figure out a way to get out of it like the program you know malfunctions and the safety features fall off and somebody's gonna die you know it's going to happen uh the second thing uh, is all of the Mirror Universe episodes. Now, don't get me wrong. They are entertaining. I love Mirror Universe episodes. 
but it's like every time the TV comes on and you see a like a duplicate of another character, like, okay, here we go, Mirror Universe episode, it's going down again. Or then, um, and although I love the character of Q, like every single episode with Q in it was the same. It was Q showed up just to screw with Picard or screw with Janeway, uh, and it was always going to be, they were going to have to teach Q some life lesson in order to make him a little bit more human so he would leave them alone. Um, and so th- that's like one of those things where it's just like, okay, you have all this stuff to work with, and you keep coming back to these tropes. Now, don't get me wrong. One of my absolute favorite episodes of any of the shows uh, was uh, a holodeck episode from Deep Space Nine, uh, the one where they robbed the casino, which is a fantastically put together episode. If you have never, ever seen an episode, watch of, that episode of any Star Trek. Go watch that one right now. I don't remember the name of it, but I can guarantee you can find it on Netflix. I don't either, but I love that episode. Yeah, go it's find fantastic. that episode. It's good. It's just from front to back. It's just fantastic. It's well put. It's like Ocean's Eleven in one hour on Star Trek. It's fantastic. Yeah. And so, I mean, even with that having been said, those storylines just kind of get beat to death. And uh, that was a problem for me with the series. Well, folks, you know what that means? We're done with pros and cons. Yeah, we are. Now. We made it all the way through here without saying which one was better. Go ahead, Jerry. Just go the fuck ahead. Go no, on. I'm not going to do it. We promised we wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. But we all know which one's better. Don't we, folks? <laughs> all right. But seriously, folks, make up your own mind. Yeah, That's the point absolutely. we're trying to make. Hey, if you're pro Star Trek, write us at nak at nerdomandknowledge.com. Let us know. And if you're pro Star Wars, write us at nak at nerdomandknowledge.com. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. If we you love don't give a crap about either. Write us at nak at nerdofknowledge.com and say, I don't really care either way. That's fine. But, folks, this is... Oh, and when you write that email, make sure you include the keyword and the episode. And this is episode six, folks. Yes, and the keyword is lightsaber. Yes, it is, indeed. But, folks, that's our time. It is, indeed. I had fun with this. I did, too. It's been good to go down memory lane a little bit. And it was actually nice that this time, instead of us actually coming up with a bunch of different options, we actually kind of walked over each other's toes a little bit. Yeah, a lot. Like, my feet are hurting right now because you stole my thunder, but so it's okay. So mine. And you stole a little bit of mine, too, but that's okay. It's okay. We got enough thunder to go around, folks. Yeah. And I like to think we actually hit everybody with a good argument for each one. I certainly hope so. I hope we made you think, and if we did make you think, I hope you'll let us know. Drop us an email. At N-A-K at nerdomanology.com. Yes, that is correct. All right, thank you. It's new. We're still getting used to it. It it is. It's new. Just like www.nerddemonology.com. Yes, our brand new webpage. We're so excited. And we just can't hide it. Jerry, stop. I didn't do it. You sang too, buddy. Uh, But we we hit like every word at the same time. Of course we did. Okay. We're awesome. (sighs) All right, folks. But yeah www.nerddemonology.com. Yeah, go check it out. We're pretty proud of it. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. And of course, don't forget, if you want to help out the show, we definitely appreciate it. Go to Patreon, Nerdemonology Podcast. Look us up. Yes. Make a we, donation in any amount. And you will get a shout out on the podcast. And when we get our Friends of the Podcast page up on the website, your name will be on it. You're damn right it will be. Yes, sir. And of course, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerdum K. You can. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Nerdman Knowledge. You can, and there's you, photos up there now. You can find us on Facebook at the Nerdman Knowledge Podcast. Yes, you can indeedy. And folks, don't forget, if you're a creature of habit, and some of you might be, you can still reach us Nerdman Knowledge at gmail.com. Yep. That is N-E-R-D-O-M-A-N-D-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E at gmail.com. The man has now passed Ric Flair. He's the greatest <laughs> champion of all time. 17. 17. Count them, folks. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Well, you know what, folks? Thank you for listening. From we the appreciate bottom it. of our hearts. Absolutely. Our artery-hardened hearts. Yes. Our bacon-laden, cream cheese-filled. Oh, man, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Stop, hearts. Jerry. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Yeah. But thanks for listening, folks. Yes. Come back next week. What are we talking about next week, Jerry? Next week, we are talking about the evolution of the zombie. Yeah. Brains. Not that one. No, probably not. <laughs> we're going to touch on it, folks. Yeah, we're going to hit them all. We're going to go from one end to the other. We're going to cover them from slow-moving creepers to fast-moving runners to big bloated carcasses to whole nine yards. We're going to do it, folks. And don't forget to email that keyword in, lightsaber. Yes. And don't forget to listen. We do appreciate it. So from Jerry. And James. At Nerd to Knowledge Podcast. First pick for podcast. Last pick in dodgeball. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there. Oh.